You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Baptist and Pleasant Green Road. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here's our pastor with this week's sermon. I, uh, man, it is a great privilege to be here. Thank you so much to Jeremiah. That was really gracious. And um, man, it's been so fun this weekend. I get to bring my son. He's out causing terror in the three-year-old room right now. And I got to, um, man, it's such a joy to be on mission with my son and to see him giving uh, just cups of cold water out yesterday, or bottles of water. And um, man, I, w- I was thinking, everywhere I go, I just ask this to the Lord. Lord, if you had the stage, what would you say? You know, Lord, what would you say? And uh, I think if Jesus was here wouldn't it be fascinating? Let's just imagine it for a second. If Jesus was here, you know, if Jesus was here and, and, the, and, and he was open at the altar the, when we started the service, would you have come? Would you have come down? And Wouldn't you? You know how like that idea of like when the crowd pressed in on him? I think if, if you knew if he just touched his robe, you'd be healed of whatever. I think we would have probably got really... Um, not appropriate in here, right? <laughs> if you were in the back, you'd be like, ah, you know, like just jumping up. And uh, I just, I love to think about that and to think about if Jesus was here. But isn't he here? Is he present with us? Um, you start to, to sense it, right, as we worshiped, as we sang, and, and to watch our youth uh, lead us. And um, man, it was just really, and I'm so, I want to thank you all for the way you served yesterday and for the way you um, uh, it's inspiring to me every time I see it. It never gets old um, to just watch um, fearlessness. And, and as you guys know, sharing the gospel can be an intimidating thing. And um, they were very fearless yesterday. And some I, I was watching as they kind of, you know, scat- got with each other. And then others were really leading valiantly. And then it, it's, I saw it kind of spread throughout the group, the, the courage. And, um, and on those who maybe didn't think they were gifted to share, start to share. And... Um, Man, it's all about obeying Jesus, right? And just uh, loving him and, and being with him. But I think the other thing I've been thinking about as I read about Jesus, and I want to encourage you, man, do you know they say most of the church doesn't read their Bible today? It's not like a thing anymore. <laughs> and um, man, there's a lot going on. Some concerning, brutal facts for us is that this is North Carolina, this is South Carolina, this is the church in general. Over 50% of the church doesn't know what the Great Commission is. That was released last year in Barna. South Carolina, the state I'm living in, it led the nation in pastoral suicide. Um, We continue to see uh, people fall in our time. We we continue to see, you know, 50 to 60% of the church in America saw less than 10 people receive Christ last year. Less than 10. And, um, and I, I've been just kind of racking my brain thinking about that. I have the privilege to work for Clayton King Ministries and Crossroads Summer Camp. I meet a lot of pastors. And typically, I think something has happened. And maybe those of, us, those of you older in the faith and have been seasoned saints for many years, things have changed, have they not? The church doesn't pray like it used to pray. Um, the prayer meeting is very little attended or it's not a thing anymore. And I think, what has happened to prayer and our dedication to prayer. And the, I think the belief that God um, would actually respond to our prayers has, has failed. And we have um, stopped asking him for things that only he can do. 
And uh, man, I want to see that come back. Are you all with me on that? Man, I want to see Jesus do something so awesome in our time that it could only be explained by him. And that happens when we pray. Isn't that amazing that it happens when we pray and that, that prayer we prayed when we started? That's how Jesus told the disciples to pray. And it, there's some key things there, right? His kingdom needs to come. His kingdom, his will needs to be done. And so how do we do this? And I've been thinking about that. We've been having this youth thing this weekend, right? This one day and the youth serving. And I'm here to challenge you, grandparents and parents. You know, when revival came, do you remember Jesus had a forerunner? Do you remember John the Baptist? Do you remember the first thing John the Baptist would do? Do you remember what it says? It says that he would turn the hearts of parents towards their children. Isn't that amazing that when God wanted revival, the hearts of parents would turn? Isn't that amazing? The hearts of parents. And that, you know, in the end of Malachi, it says that the, when, in the end of days, right, when it, when it got to the end, that God would turn the hearts of parents towards their children and the hearts of children to their parents. Isn't that amazing? And so I want to ask you, um, how many Saturdays left do you have with your son or daughter? Um, Have you shown them how to make disciples in your life? Or have you trusted Jeremiah to do it? (laughs) I have to tell you this because it was told to me by my wife last year. She's like, you go around and you train all these churches and you train these youth pastors. What are you going to do to disciple our children? And I was like, oh, man. Y'all have a wife like that in here? Man. Man, she said, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm doing what we all do, right? I'm, I have them here. We show up. We go to church. We, we do the things. And she's like, what about the daily rhythm of our life? Are you gonna, is that enough for you? Is that discipling our children? And I just, man, it was hard. <laughs> it was hard truth. And literally, y'all, I've got to tell you this. She said, are you going to prayer walk with them? Are you going to love our neighbors with them? Are you going to show them how to share their faith? And they're six, three, and one. And I'm just like, wow. I'm like, wow, she's coming at me so hard. She was a missionary in Pakistan. I married way up. <laughs> I, listen, y'all, this is kind of funny. Don't, don't show this online. But her mom told me, the Holy Spirit told me, Josh is not the one. I had to overcome that, y'all. I was like, Lord Jesus, please give her to me. You know, the Holy Spirit did not tell me that. And, um, and I, I had to overcome. And I tell you, I'm, I want to tell you this. I'm so grateful for her. How many of y'all are grateful for your believing spouse in here? Man, he, she's the Holy Spirit, and she says uncomfortable things to me. And, and I'm telling you, I think if Jesus was here, he'd say some uncomfortable things to us. Do you know, he was always filtering the crowd. He always made it hard to follow. He would always say something like, you know, we're the richest people on earth. God, honest truth. You are the 1%. And so, and he would always say stuff to rich people, religious people that kept all the law and did all the right things. Oh, you want to follow me? Go sell everything. Come follow me. And they found it very hard. And I want to ask you this. I'm not asking anyone to sell everything like Jesus today. But I want to ask you, when is the last time you sold something and gave it to the poor? When's the last time you sold something and gave it so Chinese people could hear the gospel? When's the last time you, you tested what the grip that money and possessions have on you? It's hard, isn't it? Have you ever tried it? It is so hard to sell something you love. I, I feel for that rich young man that walked away. It was so hard. What about when he would say stuff like, um, hey, Jesus, i got to go bury my dad. Man, that's a, man, yo, we're, you know, right? This is the South. Man, family is everything here, right? Can you imagine just saying, look, 
Jesus, I got to go bury my dad. It's a reasonable request. And Jesus said to him, go ahead and do that. He was on a mission, y'all. Jesus, if he was here, where would he be? If he was here in this town, where would he be? Would he be here? And when this ended, where would he go? I think about questions like that. And I think about, would you want to be with Jesus wherever he went from here? Would you want to talk to him? Would you, would you want to be healed by him? Would you have something to ask him if he was here right now? And I think, man, I, I just want to challenge you as I think about that question. I realized that my desire for God was lacking. Does that make sense? That I, was, I, I had somehow drifted into watching football all day on Sunday because I love football. And now they have it on Sunday morning. And they have it on Saturday, Saturday morning and Monday night and Thursday night. I found myself watching football all the time. And my dedication to football outweighed the time I would give Jesus, outweighed the time I gave my children. And I'm telling you, it's a plague. We are keeping currently, when these young people turn 18 years old, I want you to look at them and pick 80% of them to walk away from the faith. Go ahead, you, you guys pick. Which 80% of them do you want to walk away? They are walking away to the tune of 80%. Isn't that amazing? 20% of them are following Jesus, 18 to 29 years old. It's a crisis. And where does it start? What do y'all think? I think it starts in the home. Do you think so? I think it starts there. If you're hoping for the youth pastor who gets 50 hours a year with them to make the big difference, I'm telling you, you're looking to, to, to lose them. And I'm, I'm here to ring the alarm. I know that's not a comfortable stat. But you know what? To young, you young people, eight, 80% of everyone that still follows Jesus reads their Bible and does what it says. Isn't that amazing? They read their Bible and does what it says. And I haven't even started yet, so we got to start. So if you're going to write something... Um, I want to talk about really quickly something we've been hitting this weekend about the things we must do, all right? So I'm just going to give you seven musts, and we're going to go lightning fast. So the first one is, in Matthew 4.20, it says that they immediately left their nets and follow him. We must be disciples if we hope to be, make, be disciple makers. So we must be disciples ourselves that means that we give ourselves to a pattern of following Jesus, whatever he says to do. And you guys saw it right in the beginning when he called them. They left their father. They left their nets. They left everything, and they followed him. Is that you? Is that what your children get to see you do? Is that what your grandchildren get to see you do? Do they, do they know that you love your neighbor? When's the last time you shared your faith with someone? Is there anyone that you teach about the Bible? When's the last time that you... They saw that. You serve. What are they learning from you as you model the Christian life? It's not too late to start asking these really hard. They're hard questions, right? These are hard questions. Someone said them to me, though, and so I have to say them to you. They said, how are your disciples doing? And I realized that I was 33 years old with no disciples. So how are, have you done this? Have you chosen to make disciples? If you turn to Matthew 28, 16 through 20, Jesus says this amazing thing. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The second must is we must be a disciple that makes disciples of all nations. So that means we don't just hang out with people that look like us. 
It means that we care about the refugees in Charlotte and everywhere. It means that we care that the gospel goes out to people of other race, of other socioeconomic status. It means that we make disciples that know how to multiply, which means that instead of saying, when we want to reach a lot of people, instead of saying, hey, let's all get them to this one spot for this one hour, it means that we train people to know what to do when they go everywhere in their life. That they know everywhere that they can go that they're on a mission with Jesus. Jesus, when he was on earth, went to 173 villages and towns in three years on foot. Isn't that amazing? The disciples spent over 23,000 hours with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? If we hope to do that on our current pattern of five or six hours a week, they'll all be 80 years old by the time they spend that much time. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to make disciples that make disciples of all nations? You know, you guys are a part of a Southern Baptist church. Did you know, young people, that if you're a part of a Southern Baptist church for at least three years, and when you graduate college, you can get sent overseas for free? For free, for two years. It's called the Journeyman Program with the IMB. And you can be sent to the nations for free because the church gives to the Lottie Moon offering and the Annie Armstrong offering. And that's true for y'all. Did you know that if you wanted to reach the nations, Malaysia right now is paying Americans to retire there. Anyone have a retirement plan like that? Malaysia? Listen, Johnny Hunt said it really good that folks from his church in Georgia, he said they planned on spending the last, you know, 10 years of their life going to every beach in the world and collecting shells. And he said this, can you imagine standing before God for the last 10 years of your life holding seashells? Good question, though. So I'm here to ask you, you know, um, Joshua and Caleb, when he was an old man, do you guys remember this? When Caleb was 80 years old, do you remember? They, uh, they had the high country still to fight, and Caleb said, give it to me as an 80-year-old man, right? Give it to me. My, me and my sons, we'll go fight, right? Man, are there some old folks in here today that you got that? You got the heart of Caleb? You're ready to take over? And maybe you can't take over, you know, northern Israel, would you take over this county? Listen, there's old folks that I know in Anderson and in Georgia and lots of places. You know what they're doing with their mornings? Because they're retired and can do whatever you want. They're going out to breakfast and they're telling waiters about Jesus. Isn't that amazing? They're going out with a simple testimony. Francis Collins, who was the head of the Human Genome Project, he was a genius. Um, he's, he's now a believer. And you know what it was? He thought he was going to cure cancer, and he was in a hospital room and an, and an elderly lady that was dying of cancer. He said, I'm sorry. My experimental treatment failed. You're going to die. Delivered the hard news. And she said, don't be sorry. She grabbed his arm and said, I'm really worried about you, doc. And he said he was so moved because she seemed at complete peace with dying and seemed really concerned with him that it, made him, it caused him to, to consider his faith again, and that he really felt like there must be something to it. And as he investigated Christianity, he said, this is something more than altruism. This is something more than what I thought. These people have radically died for their enemies and for their captors and, and, and died these horrific deaths. I don't understand this. And, as he, and the Holy Spirit started to work on him, and he gave his life to Christ because of that old lady in that hospital room. My friend um, Sam, um, his grandpa... Uh, got in a horrible accident. He lives in North Carolina. He was a seven-year-old man, lost the strength in his arms, went off the road, flipped through, went through a tree, 
Unbelievable. He was a missionary for many years in the Philippines. He kicks out the window. Y'all are going to love this story. He kicks out the window, crawls out, gets to the side of the road, waits for the EMTs. They show up and he says, I have no idea why I'm still alive, but I think Jesus wants you all to pray to receive him right now in his name because I have no other explanation for my being alive. And these young men did that. They prayed to receive Christ. They took him to the hospital, and then they found out where he lived. The EMTs on their own hours drove to the, his son's house, and they said, we have to tell you what kind of man your, fa- your father is. Your father was worried about us and not himself. We've never seen anything like it. We've never seen anyone survive an accident like that. Man, is that y'all? When's the last time you got to share like that? Don't y'all want to finish like that? Man, we must be disciples. I mean, disciples of all nations. In Acts 1.8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be, listen, this assumes our obedience. It says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is assuming we'll obey him. So there are people here that will obey Jesus, and there are many that will not. Isn't that crazy? He's going to get his way. It's an amazing thing. He doesn't force us, but he will get his way. He's this king, and he promises the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Have you asked for that? I want to challenge you. Have you asked for Jesus to fill you? Have you made this deal with God where you're like, listen, Lord, I'll drink the whole thing. I'll do it. But then you got to drink it, right? You have to be controlled. You have to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. It's like yielding like a puppet. I'll do whatever you want. I'll go wherever you go. I'll say what you want me to say. But here's the thing, guys. I want to tell you something. He's already told us where to go, and he's already told us what to say. Go to the lost people, people that you think are lost, people that you think haven't heard the gospel recently. And you go there, and you know what you tell them? What has he done in your life? What, is, what has he changed? What has he transformed in your life? That's what we must do. We must obey God. That's what he did. He made it a priority. And we know this in 2 Corinthians 5, we know that we must share the gospel because this is what it says. If anyone is in Christ, he is brand new. He's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry that is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You have all, sitting here today, been given a message, and you've been given people to tell. That's your ministry. And this is what it says. Therefore, wrap it all together, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ, given the duty of sharing the message. So I don't care if you're a lawyer. I don't care if you're introverted. I don't care what you are. Or what you do, you are this main thing. When I came home last night, Lion King was on, and my son was watching it, and, you know, Simba lost his way. Y'all remember this story? Y'all like Lion King? He lost his way. He was in the land of Hakuna Matata. You might as well call it the United States, the land of no worries, land of doing whatever you want all the time. And he was just doing that, and he lost his way. So maybe you're in here today, and you've been lost. No one knows it. You're you're dressed, and you're put together, but you've been lost. You've lost your purpose. You've lost your mission. You're off mission. You're on your mission. You know, I think in in America today, the, the plague on the church is that our families are our world, and that's it. Yes, you're supposed to love your family, but you're supposed to love everything God loves. And then God adds all those things to your family that you want them to have, the protection, the provision, the guidance, right? Y'all with me? 
Remember, Simba lost his way. And it wasn't until, do you remember? The prophet hit him over the head, right? With the stick, the Rafiki. And he said, you don't even know who you are. And he got alone, remember? In the field. And he had to look inside. And he said, your father's in you. Have you forgotten that? That the Holy Spirit, when you asked him to come in, that he came in? And you belong to your father. He has purchased your life for God. He has purchased your life for a mission. Isn't that amazing? At what cost Jesus, his life, and everything. He became poor for us, right? He became poor for us. He became nothing. Are we willing to do that for him? Are you willing to become nothing for him? Are you willing to go somewhere where it'll be hard to go? 300 million people in our world, and it's a growing number, have never had access to one of these have never had access to anyone who knows Jesus. There is no radio. There is no flyer. There is no Barnes and Noble where you can go inside and find a Bible. Over 300 million people. Every time you watch a Sunday football game, just imagine that stadium filled of people a hundred times over. Never having access. Man, I, I tell the story at camp, but I want to tell it to y'all. There was a, a group of missionaries actually from North Carolina, and they went to a people called the Mbaka people in South Africa. They went to them, and isn't this amazing? God has put in every language and tribe and nation a story that could win them, a redemptive analogy. They believed in a God already. They called him Koro, and they believed Koro's son came into the world and died for the world. Isn't that amazing? And that they had lost Koro's writings. And they were waiting for someone to come. Isn't that unbelievable? And so these missionaries come into like the dream situation. They're like, we're that guy's ambassadors. It's, his name is Jesus. And they, they start studying the scripture. They go from creation to Christ. And when they get to Christ and they find out what Christ has to say about eternity away from God, they are distraught. They, they, they meet in a separate room and they come back out and they said, how long have you known this? And they said, we've known it our whole life. They went back and told everyone, hey, these guys have known this their whole life. They come back and they said, did your father know this? And they said, yes. They said, did your grandfather know this? And they said, yes. They said, our fathers could have heard it, but your father didn't come. Isn't that unbelievable? Man, do you all think people go to hell? We stopped talking about hell because it's not that popular. Do you know people are really going there? I'll tell you the truth about it. They're going there in droves. Every second and a half since I've been talking, someone has perished and gone to hell in India and in China and in all these unreached places. And the church's response has been unbelievable. It's been almost sending no one. Less than half a penny of every dollar given to an offering plate ever hits the foreign mission field. Isn't that unbelievable? Should we find another way all right, I'm talking about stuff I can't solve. But guys, maybe we should pray about that. Are you all with me? But you know what? We're not producing the types of disciples that want to do that with their life. You know why? Because they haven't seen it be important to us. They haven't seen it be something where it's worth doing on a Saturday and a Sunday. And when you leave, if you agree with me at all, I would challenge you. Go tell someone about Jesus today. Go tell them, man, it's an urgent thing that you get right with God. When's the last time you guys went out on visitation to just every neighbor? 
I'm telling you, we have got to start sharing the gospel. And I want you to encourage you. In Mark 5, Jesus says this. He heals this demon-possessed man. i got to go fast now. I'm sorry. He heals this demon-possessed man. The demon-possessed man is completely healed, right? The town says, we want you to go. You need to leave. We don't want you here anymore. The demon-possessed man begs Jesus to follow him. And Jesus tells him something really clear. You need to go back to the Decapolis and tell everyone what I've done for you. So here's the thing. If you think people in Africa and Asia and China need to hear the gospel, would you start with your family? So I'm going to encourage you. Make a list today. Who in your family knows God and who doesn't? When's the last time you told them about it with your mouth? Because faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing by the word of God. And how can they hear unless somebody tells them? How will someone tell them if they're not sent? Unless you go to the people in your life, they might not ever hear Right? And so we need to go. We must share our testimony. In Mark 8, Jesus tells them the truth. Everyone must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. We must take up our cross and follow Jesus, which means, guys, that we must suffer. We must suffer like he suffered. And how do we suffer today in a land that doesn't really persecute us? It's not all, whatever political candidate wins and whatever the laws of the land are, yes, those are great things. We hope they're friendly to Christians. But we all know the truth, right? They're going to turn on us one day. One day it'll be illegal for me to tell you what I'm telling you, right, in a public setting. It'll be illegal for teachers to share the gospel. It's already happening. I talked to one yesterday at FCA at Orange High School. He said that it's going to be pressured. He's not going to be allowed to share with students anymore soon, right? The laws are changing, and one day it'll be hate speech, to talk about people perishing and going to hell or talk about what God thinks about marriage or to talk about anything like that. It'll be, we'll be persecuted. And there's people being persecuted all the time. Last week, 300 people died for meeting like we're meeting now in Sri Lanka. They just came in and blew them up because they hated them. Isn't that unbelievable? It's happening all the time. 300,000 Christians suffered last year. We have to take up our cross and follow Jesus. But how do we do that? I think we take it in bite-sized pieces, y'all. We start with loving our family, with loving our neighbor, with sharing the gospel with our mouth. In John 3, Jesus said this to Nicodemus over and over and over again. He said, you must be born again. And so the truth is, you won't care about anything I've said so far unless you've been born again, unless you've been transformed by Jesus and you see the kingdom. He said, unless you're born again, you won't even see the kingdom. And you definitely won't enter it unless you've been born again, which means Your old desires pass away and you have these new desires, these new things that you want to do that are God's commands that you want to obey. I want to tell you a really quick story as we finish. And Sam's going to come up and he's going to play and we're going to have a time of invitation. But I want to to talk to you about this. I saw uh, these two young kids respond to the gospel last year. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. They prayed to receive Christ. And, you know, in in the New Testament, anyone that prayed to receive Christ... They got baptized that day, sometimes their whole family. Isn't that amazing? So these kids prayed to receive Christ, and they wanted to get baptized, and I got in big trouble for this, but we baptized them in the fountain right there (laughs) outside. They were like, I need to be baptized. And then when they said that, the other youth 
some of them started confessing sin, like just all unbelievable stuff. They just started confessing. And then a youth pastor started confessing. And then all this confession was happening. This girl jumps up and says, I need to be saved. You know, like, and all this stuff. The Holy Spirit was just moving in the room. They were so excited. I found out from the youth pastor. When they left camp, they stopped at a Piggly Wiggly, and they won three cashiers to Christ. Right? They just walked straight up and said, you need to know this message. And they started sharing. And they won her. And she came to church that Sunday. They invited her to church. They, she came to church. And they told those kids, hey, go into your Sunday school class and tell everyone what happened this weekend. The kids couldn't do it. They went from Sunday school class to Sunday school class giving their testimony. And they led 13 more people to Christ. Isn't that unbelievable? And then they had a baptism. And they were getting baptized. And out of the crowd... Seven people, old people, jumped up, fully clothed, to get baptized because they wanted to obey God. Isn't that amazing? Man, do y'all want that? I think it starts with even just one or two willing to do whatever Jesus asked right away. Jesus always expected obedience right away. It's why he said no to bearing the Father. He was on this mission. And so my question to you this morning is, are you on that mission with him? It sounds like it's really hard and you're going to have to like lose all this stuff. But I would ask you this. Would you put your hands out like this? I think it's a lot like doing this. Just saying, Lord, everything I have, everything I am is yours. And it's true. He bought your life. If you're holding on to something, and it could be, man, you're holding on to your kid's college fund. It could be that you're, you're holding on to your kids' futures. It could be you're holding on to that job you think will give you all that security. It could be the house. It could be yourself. Are you willing to yield that today? And so I want us to imagine a few things. Would you imagine with me that Jesus is up here right now and willing to heal anything in your life? The anxiety, the depression, Maybe you've lost your way. Many times on Sunday morning, I came and I sat in the back. <laughs> I, would always, I would sit in the back and I didn't really want to sing. I didn't really want to do what Jesus asked me to do when I left that day. And I want to ask, would you do this with me? Would you give everything, yield it, and come down here and pray? And so I want our youth to come down here and, and kneel, if you would. So just our youth, if you're a young person in here, just come down here and kneel. And so what I'd really like to do is maybe the revival starts when the hearts of parents turn to their children and grandparents turn to their grandchildren. And what we can do is lay our hands on them and bless them and, and in your own heart say, Lord, I'm going to be an example of godliness and faithfulness. And just come down here and, and lay your hand on them. And you don't have to kneel. You just can put your hand out. And if you want to sit, you can put your hand out. You, just put your hand out on them. And let's pray for these young people. And let's pray for, you know, the, the thing about young people is if you lose them, you never get them back. <laughs> And many churches are dying because I didn't invest in their young people. 
thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 a.m. for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, please do share it with others and check out our other ministries at ebcconnect.org.